0: youtube or should i say spotify wherever you're watching this uh hello and welcome to our brand new podcast i am uh, farfa your host of sorts for this podcast alongside the reigning champion joshua schmidt hello everybody. Uh, we're going to be taking you through what is hopefully going to become a household name in Yu-Gi-Oh discourse uh, for those of you with long commutes to work or school uh we hope we're going to give you a fun little interesting segment weekly is the plan uh, that you can tune into, going over current events, new cards, and hopefully some deep dives into interesting and controversial topics. Yeah, uh, really excited to get this off the ground because having one of the best players of the, in the world right now and Josh giving you perfect information <laughs> week in and week out. Uh, yeah, is I mean, exciting. let
1: me tell you, we have we have like four YCS wins and a Master Duel Worlds win between the two of us. So that's if that's not some well, resource you're looking for, then
0: cards on the table. Like that's yeah. that's what you've got right now uh so i'm excited uh about all the kinds of special guests and topics we're going to be going through um so hopefully with your feedback and your comments telling us what you would like to see in the future what you would like to uh you yeah. know any suggestions and feedback you know we're more than welcome to uh i more than happy to take that on board and we're really excited for this so uh yeah before we go through the itinerary uh any opening statements of sorts mr schmidt
1: yeah i mean i'm i'm particularly excited uh to be talking about a lot of general topics of course we're gonna always try to keep up with what's going on in the world of Yu-Gi-Oh. like you know current current discussions at current news that have been revealed but i also want to make uh make this a thing where we talk about stuff that is kind of like you know timeless but like things that just need to be talked about at, at like any point and uh you know we're just going to yeah. make it a lot a lot of it's also going to be feedback based you know if we notice you you like that kind of stuff um so we're, we're definitely going to be keeping an eye out for the the comments on the youtube channel and uh, i don't know if there's a way for people to engage on spotify if there's a way to leave comments or in any way shape or form that we can see um that i'm, I'm going to be very with. very interested in seeing how you guys like certain types of, of podcast content keep in mind it is the first time uh, for me uh, as well to to make a podcast happen So just main form of content that's supposed to be listened to, right? And so, so, you know, keep that in mind. We are also learning and we're trying to make this as interesting as possible for you guys. So make sure to give us the feedback that we need.
0: Yeah, the general topics as well, something I'm excited for in the future. You know, we're going to do deep dives into like, you know, we might have an entire episode dedicated to combo decks, a a whole episode on (laughs) Floodgates. There will Uh, be an entire
1: episode dedicated to why Block Dragon should be banned absolutely and
0: circular we'll do a little special one on, on that the history of circular <laughs> the circular uh, special so, you know, and uh if you have any suggestions for who you would like to be uh who you'd like to see on the show you know let us know um so for example you know we of course there's popular people you want to see but it has to be relevant right so if we're going to do a suspended player list podcast you know get distant coder on etc right that makes sense you know for example oh
1: i'm just laughing so much the people that are listening to this episode are not going to see it but you have two pixels in your camera right now it's phenomenal yeah, for,
0: for some reason my video code you've a chosen the perfect
1: today. day for your camera to not work because we're doing like listen only content right now so it's it's fine yep. it's <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay so let's get into our uh our itinerary today yes um, all hopefully- right we'll give you like a little breakdown of what exactly we're going to be talking about and the subtopics if you want to maybe give us the TCG portion first Josh.
1: Yeah, so we're going to talk about TCG and OC uh, not OCG uh, Master Duel in in some some episodes are going to be dedicated to one of the two but usually we're going to try to include a little bit of both worlds. Um for the first episode we decided to talk about some currently occurring things in the TCG mainly we're going to have a quick look at the two player starter Uh, that just came out i think you've also done influencer openings for it so you know exactly what's in there and we have uh, another topic coming up which is the upcoming format the current situation in the tcg which is we're looking at the year of the fire so we're going to talk about that a little bit you know Um, and most importantly when it comes to that we're going to have a little bit of a discussion on how expensive Yu-Gi-Oh is to play right now and how expensive it's going to be in the future and whether that's reasonable or whether it's not that is the most important stuff we're going to be talking about when it comes to TCG related stuff on today's episode.
0: Yeah, why card costs money? It's been all over X or Twitter. Uh, you've all been <laughs> taking part in the discourse. Should have bought it when it was uh, just released. Those wanted, huh? You should have. You should have spent fifty <laughs> per piece of uh, square cardboard instead of a hundred or whatever it's at right now. Yeah.
1: So we're gonna see how long that takes us, but then yeah, we were gonna do we're gonna to touch on the current Master Duel format, you know, super heavy samurai apocalypse uh in a little bit as well, which is another pleasant topic. Bunch of pleasant topics today, huh? Yeah,
0: yeah. This is uh this is what it's all <laughs> about, baby. We're getting straight into the nitty gritty and the the meat grinder of all of the uh things that are making the community angry right now. So uh shall we start off with the two player set, I suppose. Yes, let or us to talk proceed. A
1: with well, the two player starter set.
0: Here's here's my uh view on this thing. Um I feel like it's very hard for us who live in this like bubble of yeah. the sort of mid-range to semi-competitive to hardcore competitive aspect mm-hmm. of Yu-Gi-Oh. And so when you try and judge a product like this, it's really hard because you basically yeah. just need like test subjects. Like you need two people who just don't <laughs> play the game. This, throw this, yeah. them down into a game and then say go ahead, play. Uh, with this starter set and see how you feel about it. Because there's been, shall we say, very mixed opinions on the two-player starter set.
1: Yeah, so just for context, the two-player starter is a a product that you can buy. I believe it's priced at around 20 bucks. And the the purpose of it is to get completely uh new players into the game. People that basically have maybe like not even a single idea on how to play this game. Maybe we've seen the anime uh, back in the day, but like no idea on how to play it. And they get set up with two decks. Uh, that are pre-constructed, and it even says on the packaging you are not supposed to shuffle them for your first go because there's a manual that guides you through a scripted duel, right? Where they go step-by-step. They're like, okay, you draw the top five cards of that deck. Uh, Those are the five cards you have right now. Those are the options you have. This is how you normal summon your first monster. And then it goes step-by-step through the deck, right?
0: It is literally a uh, solo mode or tutorial, like in real life. Yeah, it's an IRL... (laughs)
1: irl uh master duel tutorial mode right the the one thing exactly. i find cool about that idea is that it kind of gives them the option to guide you through the easy stuff first and then let you draw some of the more uh, complicated cards i want to say later on because you i i believe you open with like what is it five vanillas right
0: uh, and they're just like, like okay too. here
1: here's your vanillas that's the attack points that's the defense points that's the level you can only summon the ones with four stars or less on the first turn right um, and then you, you keep drawing into more and more mechanics. You're like, okay, now I've drawn a spell card, and then the book tells you how to use that one. Now you draw a trap. How do you use that one? So on and so forth, right? And it even has some amount of um, some amount of extra deck included, right?
0: Yeah, so that's the context. That's how the uh, set works. Yeah. And I think for 20, that's like fine, personally. I don't. I think I, people are expecting yeah. a lot here. I so think I've, people... I've said
1: the same thing that you said earlier yesterday to my stream when we went into looking at them because I hadn't seen what was in them yet. And I had already people, of course, in chat being like, this is a huge scam, terrible product, all that <laughs> kind of stuff, right? That was the first thing I read, right? And I'm like, first of all, I said the same thing that you said, which is like, it's probably for none of you guys, right? None of the people that are in my stream right now, which are mostly probably people that know how to play this game, right? I would hope so. Um uh- <laughs> okay sure, <laughs> not questionable but for the most part it is not for us right so i i don't think we are all in the position to judge whether this is is, is good or not because obviously i mean yeah uh, card quality reprint wise which is how everyone in the Yu-Gi-Oh community just looks at it yeah you're not you're not no, no one's been asking for a reprint of freaking whatever vanilla you draw as your first card like the the elemental hero sparkman reprint yeah it's not good spoilers not a good reprint but it's, <laughs> need a it's about, stalker, right? anyone. I mean you get a Zeus though.
0: Yeah, that's uh that's I suppose like a twenty buck Zeus, I guess people are excited about. So yeah, um I I don't know, maybe we're being uh maybe we're being biased or shilly or whatever you want to call it, but I think like a lot of players just don't seem to recognize like it's okay for a product to not be wor- to not be for you. Yeah, exactly. Um, Only because it's I- not
1: for you doesn't mean it's a bad product
0: yeah uh, but again it's hard to so even if we do look at it from the perspective of hey this is a product for new players do we think that this is a good product for new players well number one it's hard to judge because we have been playing the game for years and years and it's you know it's impossible to just delete all of your background information pick it up and try it out you would literally have to just watch two people who have never touched Yu-Gi-Oh try and play it and see how it pans out i don't know how much testing they would have done on it um but it'd be interesting to see For me personally, I feel like it's too wordy. um, Okay. Right, like just picking up like this booklet, like this actual just like Boeing seven four seven construction manual to like play out a game. It feels like there's just a lot of information overload.
1: I uh, I will say to that, like from my own perspective, when you look at it from the perspective of someone like I do play board games a decent amount in my free time, and it's like it's not unusual to get a new game right and then just have to read through it for a while right like the booklet like it's a normal thing right i'm just
0: significantly more tiktok brain than you are i guess that might be fair
1: but like if you are playing if you're getting a new board game like you you have to plan in some time to to make sure you learn the rules like that is something that uh you know sometimes (laughs) we'll have a new board game that we haven't played before and we'll be like will we play this tonight well we only have like two or three hours that's probably not enough to completely understand yeah, what's going I on
0: I've reading the instructions so i, I think from the dark that perspective i don't think it's
1: that bad and on on another note i i tried to look at it from from a from a perspective where if i tried to learn a different card game right now like let's say i was interested in joining whatever other card game is out there that i have never played before and then people told me hey there's this product 20 bucks you and a friend get to learn the basics of the game um, most of the cards in here, they're, they're not going to be good, though, but I wouldn't be expecting that from a tutorial thing anyways, right? And then they're like, yeah, that's 20 bucks, right? I, I wouldn't feel like that's outrageous, you know, if, the, if, if it teaches you the game and comes with some sort of cards. Like, I mean, you'll be able to use some of the cards yeah. going forward, so I don't know.
0: The next criticism that I think people have been lodging at this is that, well, this doesn't really show you how the game is actually played, which is like, okay, sure, <laughs> fair mean... enough, you know you don't have calarium, meek and visas in your hand that that's, that's fair you know some people would have preferred if that was the tutorial mode yeah, right I mean, it doesn't
1: you... it doesn't fair you're you're not wrong but how would yeah. you do that exactly
0: it's baby step you can't just jump into like all right let's see what one gazelle can do right like that <laughs> you're like, like,
1: here's a Mathmech circular is the first yeah. card you've drawn in your hand luckily for you there's a mathmex sigma in your deck that you can send to special summon this card, you're now gonna uh, activate the Sigma. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> we've we've
0: literally seen evidence and you know re- recorded and historical, just cemented out there in the world what it is for someone to pick up like a gazelle and see what happens. It is so much information. Yeah. It is so much overloaded um stuff going on that if someone who's playing the game for the first time just they don't need that and i think like it goes back to the point that i don't think this is for you right as as a player um for the for a lot of the people who are sort of complaining about the uh the non-complexity of it it's like vanilla monsters are absolutely fine to
1: learn the game they should have made one of the decks rika and one of the decks Mathmech and they're like uh the first step you roll the dice to see who goes first who's won the dice roll okay your experience ends here You've Two rolled a 6. Robot. You've won the duel. Congratulations. <laughs>
0: uh, oh, yeah, to be fair, Lokai is a normal monster, so, you know, they, <laughs> they missed an opportunity Loci, yeah. They could have put Lokai, but just not, like, the actually. I would have respected That,
1: that would have been funny. If they just put Lokai instead of, like, that random Ojama green that's in there and just yes. told them to do nothing with it, I, that, that would have been cool. I like that. Yeah, no, that, that would have actually been based, yeah.
0: So, we could sit and talk about the new player experience for a while. And honestly, guess what? That could be a podcast uh, subject. That's probably of a itself. topic for
1: its, its own thing, like how new yeah. players in general experience Yu Gi Oh! and how you would attract new players. I think what it comes down to, just to get this to maybe to get this to a close, is I appreciate the effort for sure. I like that they're trying something new. <laughs>
0: that's what he's leading with. Well, you I mean, you can't judge
1: whether it's good or not because I'm not in the position to do so. And I don't think anyone Sadly. here is really that's already been playing the game for a long time. Um, but I, I like that they, uh, that they acknowledge that new player experience is a problem and it, this is an attempt to solve it. And whether it's successful or not is something that we'll find out over time. Maybe there's going to be people in six months at your local telling you how they tried this for the first time with the starter kit and they liked it. And that's why they came to locals or whatever. Right. And I think that's, uh, that the future will tell whether this is good or not, but I like that they're trying it.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um I think uh everyone is recognizing that especially with the uh what was it that uh, stock uh broker meeting the the the, stock oh, yeah, shareholders the
1: thing broker. where where the the, the league yeah. of like uh, the, the the Yu-Gi-Oh investors yeah, yeah. are incredibly concerned about certain aspects of the game like the yes. new player like friendliness, new player right? Yeah.
0: Uh-huh. So clearly steps are being taken and made to uh fix that no. issue with the game uh just because when you have 15 years of new mechanics and new stuff it's going to be complicated so uh yeah. I would love to test this I would love to get my hands on this product and shove it between two players who've never played I've the game before. i been thinking about doing
1: exactly that. Yeah, like giving it to two people that's never do've never played the game yeah. before and just filming how they how they do with it, how they like it and what what they understand and what they take away from it.
0: No. Yeah, it'll be a good experiment. Unfortunately, I don't have any friends, uh, so I won't be able to put, to do that. So <laughs> it is what it is. Uh, I can't wait to, I, I, I am actually planning to just like play with them, but not like use the tutorial, like just shuffle them up and see if it's fun. Uh, maybe it'll be uh, interesting. Well, that's another thing. Um, people
1: have been saying, you just use it once and then you throw it away. I don't think that's how people are going to use it. I think the next step for anyone yeah. who's never played the game before would be just, hey, what happens if we play against this, like by shuffling the cards, you know? Exactly, but, yeah. exactly.
0: No. All right, uh, let's move on to uh, our next portion on the TCG. Here, we're talking about the Year of Fire, the year, the year of, of the dragon. Fire.
1: Uh, this is now for anyone who's screamed that the um, the, the two player starter set is a scam. Uh, this next section is for you, as opposed to that, product. <laughs> because we're talking about competitive Yu-Gi-Oh now. Um, so Ojama Green and Sparkman are not going to show up in this section. Instead, we're going to be talking about what's going to happen with uh, the Maze of Memories, which is as at the point of this recording. It has been released uh, today. And uh, the Phantom Nightmare, which is the next core set, is going to release in, I believe, about three weeks. Maybe it's four. I don't know. According to my very quick calculations, is about three to four weeks. And it's on everyone's mind right now when it comes to competitive Yu-Gi-Oh! How um, everyone is probably going to be playing. Uh, fire decks for the next couple months at least at the top tables
0: yeah no there's uh the 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 release of bonfire has really uh cemented itself as the uh consistency portion of uh all of the fire decks that are just utilizing this Diabell star package and um even going so far as to play a, a full wait did you get did you get a collector's rare
1: no, it's no. just a regular uh, for the for the audio viewers. I was showing, uh, I was showing the camera a bonfire that I pulled this morning out of my one box of Mesa of Millennium. Well,
0: yeah, so uh, we've seen in the OCG that Fire Kings and Fire King variants, and even Bellstar um, Pure and yeah. Snake Eye decks uh, together um, yeah. have or have been just dominating. Like Pure Snake Eye is, is what's really surprising. It me, really like, is. It, it, it
1: really does boil down to uh, the Snake Eye cards, right? Which that's that's one li- one thing I don't like about those OCG metagame breakdowns that show you like thirty five percent Fire King, fifteen percent Pure Snake Eye, or whatever. Um, They really are all on the backbone of uh, a large Snake Eye engine. Like, it's just that the Fire King Snake Eye deck elects to use the Fire King cards, but there's actually, I think there's more Snake Eye cards than Fire King cards in that deck. It's all Snake Eyes, right? It's all Snake Eyes because, on top of the support that we're getting, uh, that we already have from Age of Overlord, which is like the Ash, the Birch, the Oak, the Flambeursh Dragon, and then obviously some of the spells and the whole Diabell Star wanted stuff, we're getting uh, Populous. In the next set, which is <laughs> honestly one of the most custom cards they've printed in a while for an archetype, uh, it, I, you could call it circular levels of of support for Snake Eyes. Because what what Populous does is it just lets you special summon itself whenever you whenever it gets added to your hand from your deck, uh, and then on summon it searches a Snake Eye spell or trap. It might search a trap as well. I'm not entirely sure right now. And when it sends through, when it gets sent to graveyard, it even puts itself into into the spell and trap zone. So it does so many things for that archetype um and it's a pyro again uh so like you just pair that with bonfire which is just rota for pyros you can trigger it that way you can search with snake eye ash right and so it, it all it equals so many free materials on the board that really the backbone to all of these decks whether it's fire king rescue ace pure snake eye whatever other fire deck you can cook up is really just the snake eyes right on top of also, the new Fire Link 3, the the Bestowing Princess of, of Flames or whatever that's already in Master Duel. Um, that card also plays a huge role because it's just a, one of the best generic Fire Links ever printed.
0: Yeah, I, I think there was a very clear intentional design like pathway when yeah. all of these cards were being made. Yeah. Uh, the synergies with the fire. Yeah type uh, attribute rather um is is like so obvious uh, yeah. and then to also further than that make a card like bonfire which is just straight up like it's very really weird it's like it's not often we get a generic spell that has like two words on it that is just so powerful but it is just as simple as like yeah this card is just three more copies of the best card in your deck
1: i mean yeah uh, reinforcement is, of the army is still limited and it's a card from yeah. like over 20 years ago And, um, I mean, it's, it's especially funny to me because when I read bonfire for the first time, you know, we always react to newly announced cards on stream and it's like, I read the card and I was like, I mean, that's obviously powerful, but who knows how useful it's going to be because pyro is not the most loved archetype over the history of this game, right? There's not that many broken pyro cards out there. And they were like, okay, bet we're going to make them, right? We're just going to make these. Uh, and now, now you have valuable targets for bonfire and that's all it needs. There only has to be one good target for bonfire for that card to pop off right there it's it's only really the snake eye stuff everything else is like fine that you can do with bonfire but um as long as you have one broken target for bonfire there you go card is meta relevant and uh and and here it is and tinfoil hat on i also don't think it's a coincidence that they made the the flame swordsman stuff exactly now which is all fire
0: yeah, no, that's uh I don't think there's any pyros among them, but there's uh they're all fire. They all work really well with but the they have uh, great with that synergy something we're with, gonna talk about as well.
1: Yeah, they have uh, they but, have great synergy with Fire King Island, because you can pop one of them in hand and it has an effect when it's destroyed as well.
0: Yeah. The uh the, the flameswordsman stuff is like looking we'll talk about that in a moment, but yeah, yeah. it's looking like it's it's really, really I don't want to say good, but it's interesting. It's really cool that there's like an anime deck that has like synergies with this. But here's the problem: <laughs> Uh Fire just works in everything, yeah. and the Snake High stuff just works in everything. And the three of the Searchers is secret rare, and uh, yeah, you know that's yeah. that's that's rough for a lot of people. That really is, you know, mandatory game pieces if you want to play anything involving fire. And it's yeah. kind of just I can I can totally understand why people are not super happy with the rarities of something like bonfire um so that's kind of like the unfortunate part of this especially when it isn't even like yeah this is just like a decent deck this is like the best deck like they're oh they yeah. all run one bonfire yeah. they all run wanted um so I'm yeah, there's there's
1: that. so many aspects to this discussion that is go- probably going to fill up a decent portion of this thing but the the fact that Oh cards are expensive is something that I mean it's been like this forever, right? This is why I don't like people saying, like, oh, but we've survived Teledad format, you know? Well, remember Teledad where a crush card was a thousand bucks? I'm like, yeah, I mean, I remember, but that doesn't mean I'm happy with paying for the stuff <laughs> now, right? Okay, I'm 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 glad you lived through paying a thousand bucks for a crush card. I don't want to do it again though, right? So
0: it's a really weird analogy. Like, yeah, we survived the Teledad front. Yeah, we also survived like World War Two. Like, we what you want to do that okay, again? Good. All right, okay. I was going I was gonna, I was gonna refrain
1: from making references like that in the first episode, but here we go. Okay, cool. <laughs> we're gonna compare <laughs> uh Teledad format to World War Two. Okay, here we go. That's good. Good stuff. Well, like a pandemic, if you ask me, I guess. So <laughs>
0: sure. Um but yeah, Bonfire, you know, let's be real. It's only as good as its targets, right? Like it's only as good as good as what it searches. That's why I've always said low-key, medallion of the ice barrier is one of the best cards ever made. It just happens to be in an absolute doo-doo archetype. It is what it is. Uh, <laughs> so you know, that's uh that that's that's what it comes down to. Bonfire is a card that is only as good as its targets, and eventually one day I can probably see it getting uh get those snake eye cards will get hit. But until then, until then, unfortunately, a lot of players are just going to feel like they're priced out of this metagame, right?
1: Um, Yeah, I mean, it's it's a little bit a matter of what you are trying to achieve, right? Because the Fire decks are obviously going to be... My prediction is they are going to be the best decks of the format, but they are not going to be the only decks of the format. This is also something that the OCG currently shows. It shows the Fire decks being successful in large numbers, but there's a lot of other stuff that also competes. Uh, and people are getting success with other stuff, so it is possible to play something else. However, I can still totally understand for anyone who is trying to take this game seriously that it's frustrating that if that feeling like if you want to have the best chances of winning, then you, uh, even if it's just the locals, right? Even if it's just locals where you could say, like, oh, it's not that important. Whereas, like, I mean, winning locals is still something that people care about and should care about if it's something that, that's important to you, uh, knowing that you're not going to have the best chances possible because those cards are so expensive is frustrating that's
0: Um, always a contextual thing as well because like i don't know where some of you guys live but where my locals is like people play meta decks like people are picking up the new cards they play like the top tier meta cards and decks um like it's not exactly like a super try hard sweat fest but like they in the end like it's not really fun to play with like you know memento against you know a wanted deck right like you're you're just like (laughs) you know for some people it's I guess, like, it showing up with cards like that and decks like that is fine. But for a lot of players, like, yeah, it's not the most tryhard thing ever. But if you still use, like, a decent deck and a meta deck, like, you're going to need those relevant pieces to actually take part. And I think for a yeah. lot of players, that's, uh, that's upsetting that, you know, Bonfire is going to put so many of these fire decks really far ahead. And on top of that, with the Phantom Nightmare support. So yeah. maybe we can talk a little bit about the uh, alternatives, do you think?
1: Uh, I mean... One thing that's interesting from the newer stuff is, like, you're going to get Voiceless Voice, which is a ritual-based archetype, which we hadn't had a cool ritual-based archetype in a while, and Drytron does not count as a cool ritual-based archetype. I'm just <laughs> <laughs> Cool before. ritual deck, by the way. No, Voiceless <laughs> Voice is cool. I've seen some replays. It's it's cool. It's kind of this new take on the Safira. Uh, like the the old school rituals, I believe it's Safira, it's the uh, what even what even is the name Zoravis, and there's a third one in there that's never been relevant at all whatsoever. Um, I forgot its ones, name. So yeah,
0: that's cool.
1: Uh, yeah, but yeah, the skull Skull Guardian, right? Skull Guardian, yeah. And it, it's kind of given this archetype they, now. These three together form an archetype which previously I think they had nothing to do with each other. They were like, okay, but well, we should let these guys join forces, which I suppose is cool. And um really showing your lore knowledge there. They do you have no knowledge of these belonging together? No, not I just okay, like, okay. It's okay, just that right. you
0: make these draw these links together where I did not see
1: that previously, but sure. The links are, are made the fuck up, is what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. I made it the fuck up. <laughs> but they are now that's what I'm saying. Now they belong together. Now they are mentioned on the same cards and all that. But yep, uh, uh, yeah, that, that, that deck is cool and it is competing in the OCG at the moment at decent numbers. And obviously some of the older stuff, and I think this is the biggest criticism to the recent ban list, which at first glance, uh, it, I so thought it was take, an amazing ban on, list.
0: What's the, uh, what's the context of uh, the Voiceless Voice? Because I haven't looked into it. What is like the playstyle? What's like the general gameplay loop of the deck?
1: Uh, I, it's, it's a lot about the Viner, I believe. Like they got, they got that little, little Novox Disciple guy, which is a level one fairy, which does a lot for the deck. And I think the rituals also get bonus effects when that thing is around. And uh, so you try to, like, use Diviner and then tribute the Diviner to get that thing out of your deck. And you got, like, you got, like, an annoying, uh, some annoying continuous cards that protect your stuff. It's been a while since I've read the cards. I've just seen that they have some neat combos, and they got uh, decent success in the OCG. Okay, all right.
0: Moving on to the boundless, you were saying?
1: Uh, what what I was saying is, in at the very first glance, the ban list was amazing, and I think it was a good ban list, mainly because it hit some floodgates and it it like it slapped the decks in the format that were arguably the best decks on the wrist, right? But what it does now is it significantly uh, weakens the chances for those kind of decks to keep up with the fire stuff, because the fire stuff wasn't really hit besides rescue ace. But like I said earlier, all the other snake eye decks don't really care about the rescue ace hits, and ev- everyone who was playing unchained beforehand or pearly even with the small hits or i mean tier limits all those decks have a much smaller chance now to keep up with the fire stuff so you're gonna have to probably come up with different things to to combat fire Uh, but i think it's not going to be impossible but i still understand the frustration of not being able to play the best deck um but yeah on the topic of card prices though i think one thing that's even more frustrating then a very expensive engine is very expensive non-engine because even though like right now we are in a situation where the most expensive that's just
0: every card in the game, right? <laughs> and expensive, that's why I think it's a more engine, general
1: just... general problem than just the the fire stuff that's expensive now. I think this is just the thing that brought it up, right? The fact that people people just saw bonfire on top of wanted, like wanted was already expensive, and maybe people Paid a lot of money for Wanted. And then they were like looking forward to Fire. They were like, okay, I'm ready to go. Uh, fire format can happen. I got my Wanted engine. And then pre-sales for Bonfire hit. And it was just, I don't know how much it is right now. I know in Europe, like uh, it's like 70 bucks for, for one copy of Bonfire. And you need three. I, I think that's what tipped over and started this discussion again. Because let's be real. Yu-Gi-Oh! has never been cheap. Ever. Like, it's not just this format, this upcoming format.
0: I think there's been periods where it's been significantly more manageable than others, but that is true. To say cheap is, I think, would probably be a stretch. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I think, um, so my take in general on this, uh, which I just want to like, I just want to preface by saying I would love for it to be uh, cheap. I would love for everyone to be able to enjoy this game and not be priced out of playing any meta decks. The reality of things is obviously a little bit different, but I want to like talk about how maybe they could do it in a way that would still let them make enough money because that's another thing I want to tackle is like people are always like, oh, greedy company bad. Uh I want Konami to make money. I want this game to to flourish. I want them to make ton of tons of money with this beautiful game. I just wish there was a way, and I think there are ways they could do it by making people a little bit more happy and still make money right because take let's face off. it, it is a it company off. it needs to make money. If they're not making money, they're gonna stop making the game. They're not making the game just for our enjoyment
0: yeah and in, in the in the end, it's a principled point of a business is going to want to continue to have year on year profits and uh well. How do you do that without making cards expensive? I guess is really the bit, the big conundrum in question that hopefully they will meet us in the middle and uh, come up with some actual I solution. mean, I there solutions. There are solutions out
1: there, aren't there? I yeah, feel like, yeah, I feel yeah. like this is the point of the video, of the of the podcast where we do have to mention other examples like the OCG rarity system. Mm. Where the game but again has like been... the thing
0: is like we don't know how profitable tcg versus ocg is like, i mean the, the ocg has
1: like... been around for longer than the tcg has it can't not be profitable
0: well in the sense well yeah of course it'll be profitable but like to what extent and to what margin right i fair, is really... fair.
1: so you're saying maybe the ocg is profitable but the tcg is making more profit why wouldn't they why wouldn't the ocg switch then
0: Because I think if you push too hard in one direction or make a big change, then it ends up, you end up risking losing your established customer base, right? Something like that.
1: Okay, I get that. So what you're saying is, like, they've established it this way and it's hard to change?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think, like, once you you know, completely changing and shifting, something like the booster box structures over in OCG might, like, hurt them quite detrimentally. Okay. right if they were to like change that overnight or something
1: no i'm um, I'm convinced that it wouldn't work in the ocg the way we have it because also another thing i think was worth pointing out is that i think in in the ocg or in japan or asia there's a lot of more competition for card games there they are playing so many different card games over there i mean you've been to japan this year we've looked at stores they play so many different card games uh, yeah. like
0: the so, uh, if at any point you oh is too bad or too expensive, like, yeah, I'll just go play. I, some, I genuinely like, think sometimes
1: especially. in the ocG, like if they if they overdo it with something, people might just turn around and leave or play like their secondary card game or whatever that they they because a lot of them probably play multiples as well. I think that is. Something And uh, that is something that is getting more and more relevant, I feel like, over the past couple of years. I do think we are getting more and more competition in the trading card game market when it comes to, it's not just Magic, Pokemon, and Yu-Gi-Oh! anymore, right? Obviously, there's been attempts in the past, but the the the, the recent attempts feel more, to me, they feel more real. Maybe it's because the internet is getting you more connected and you hear more about it, but... I feel like uh, things like the One Piece card game, uh, Digimon—they've made like significant waves. Uh, I, f- I feel like,
0: yeah, for sure, especially One Piece. That's I feel like kind of shaking up the uh, card game space. Although thing. I'm hearing from it's people like, that One Piece is also
1: getting more and more expensive, so maybe that is just something that comes with popularity—is that people are willing to spend more money on these cards? But no,
0: yeah, I think there comes a point where it's like, well, you know, Magic and Yu Gi Oh are doing fine, and they cost like an arm and leg to play in their modern formats or whatever so why can't we and there isn't an alternative right because you can't just go find a cheaper card game in the west i mean you can but like <laughs> you need a, you need a player base as well so that's the uh, it is the true that like not having
1: uh, like the competitive scene that Yu-Gi-Oh has i think is very much unrivaled between like like all most other competitors i don't know I'm i'm pretty sure magic is probably doing fine in terms of how many options you have to play and I'm probably, Pokemon probably might be fine as well because these are the, the big three. But I could definitely imagine struggling finding places to play and people to play with uh, IRL in, in these other card games, especially at the start. Um, so yeah, that is one big factor for sure.
0: All right, let's uh, move on to our next uh, major segment here. We're talking about Mastodule. And uh, of course, all of these other previous topics we've touched upon, it was a very sort of light, Superficial uh, surface level analysis of some yeah. of these subjects, but in the future, you know, leave a comment down below. Tell I, us I am noticing just now. Your- yeah, yeah, I'm
1: noticing just now that time does fly a little bit, and uh, I I feel like I, I mean we're we're shooting for like hour long episodes, which is also something you guys can give us feedback on on how long these should be. Um, but uh, you guys can let us know if you want us to put as many things as possible into one episode, so we have a bunch of topics covered, or we just talk about topics more in depth you know like we can we can stretch these topics a lot longer i feel like
0: yeah for sure uh and we can definitely dedicate like specific entire podcasts with relevant um expert guests and stuff yeah. on those uh relevant subjects as well so that's something fun to uh for us to do in the future so we're talking a little bit about masterdo now and i suppose like the major sh- big two changes really is uh the ban list uh big yeah Return of the Rulers, kind of, sort of. But also, we got a new set here featuring a super heavy samurai, a deck which uh, didn't really get too much of a time to shine in the TCG. Uh, for a good reason, quickly. though. Yeah. Well, yeah, we've uh, had...
1: we've had Just to quickly recap, because it is important for context, we also did get uh, a relatively large, I want to say, ban list for, for Master Duel standards towards the end of the year. Because normally, they don't make them that big, right? Uh, because they get, like one ban list every month one ever, yeah. or one every every one and a half months i don't know exactly what their cycle is but like usually it's only a couple changes uh this time around they did not hold back though they they hit a lot of cards they banned like chaos ruler they banned so many uh like not banned but they hit a lot of cards out of like stun decks uh like <laughs> banned Cardanomize, limited inspector border li- uh, limited uh, there can be only one limited kaiser coliseum Part of duality, like so many, like even Synchro Zone got hit, which is crazy to me. By the way, that is a crazy. That's a crazy thing they, they did. But uh, yeah, um, that's how hard
0: they're hitting floodgates. That Synchro Zone is now getting caught in the crossfire. But yeah, we've got uh, we've got super heavy Samurai in the radar, and from what I've seen yeah. from all of the solar kind of smaller tournaments, you know, DK meta weeklies or whatever, like super heavy Samurai seem to be doing really really well. And mm-hmm. I think like just as a general sort of primer, I'm not sure how healthy a deck like super heavy is in best of one form oh i'm like, pretty that's sure doesn't... how
1: healthy it is <laughs> i'm pretty it's... sure i'm pretty sure on my opinion on how healthy super heavy samurai is for for master duel and uh the answer is not very yeah the answer like, is not very so you super have a very samurai... long
0: sort of it's a combo deck that takes forever to play out and those are generally going to be polarizing so unless you're the one playing it like it's 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 always like weird uh, but yeah. then it's like the counterplay to that in TCG was always like, you know, you've got like a lot of good like side options for uh, super heavy that kind of folds to like things like droll and stuff like that yeah. and you're kind of just forced to play that now in Macedo, yeah. right? At the at the higher ranks mm-hmm. and um yeah, it just feels like it's so high rolly now. There's maxi, there's yeah. droll and like it it just feels like you're constantly your deck building is always at the mercy of like just what has your opponent queued and opened, right? Super More Heavy so Samurai,
1: like, as a deck, is incredibly polarizing because... And I, I also think it's always... The deck always is fun for one player and not fun for the other. Because you either... Even if you're the Super Heavy Samurai player, getting drolled and passing your turn and just dying is also not very fun. Uh, playing against Super Heavy Samurai, not having the droll is not very fun. Of course, you're having the time of your life if you droll them and they just pass. But it's, the, the point I'm trying to make is no matter what you're doing is um, like you're, one of the two players involved is not going to have fun because super heavy the entire concept of Super Heavy Samurai is just not fun. It's just like make an overly oppressive board or lose the game. um And then it's even worse in Best of One. Best of One amplifies this problem by a lot because like you said, there are cards to tackle Super Heavy Samurai, which only because cards exist that counter a certain strategy does not make that strategy okay. Only because there are cards that beat this combo deck does not mean the combo deck is fine. Um, and, I mean, something like Maxi, everyone is playing anyways. But a card like Droll and Lockbird in best of one, I've, I've noticed it myself when I played a bunch of uh, Master Duel on the on the last uh, like, on the day that they, these things released, uh, it's super polarizing even when I'm not playing against Super Heavy Samurai. Because let me tell you, feeling forced to put cards like Droll and Lockbird or Ghost Ogre into my deck just to not auto lose to super heavy samurai if I lose the the coin flip uh it feels terrible when i'm queuing into labyrinth
0: yeah that's the that's sort of the main kind of issue with best of 1 it's yeah. hard to deck build for something like that especially when you have a wide different spread of uh very, very varied win conditions, uh, yeah. combo, and control deck. Like, you're going to be sitting there with Droll in your hand against, like, okay, great. I guess I get to hit your one of extravagance. Maybe it kills your Ariana normal summon, right? Like, there, <laughs> I mean, it doesn't feel good at all. No, it uh, doesn't. And I don't know what a solution to this really is. Uh, the I just solution hope they is ban a-
1: the Super Heavy Samurai and not yeah, don't the, make the, something just, like this ever again, please.
0: Just just go with the TCG strategy of uh you just hit it immediately. Like, I ASAP, mean, is, isn't please.
1: Super Heavy Samurai genuinely the deck that has died in the TCG the fastest ever?
0: Mm, depends how you want to say how you want to define died. I mean, Pepe was like 13 days, it just sort of became a weird Pal variant. But okay, but
1: how long was how long was Super Heavy
0: Samurai actually? Like was it two weeks? I feel like no, it wasn't weeks, right? It was like at least like two months.
1: No, there there's no way it was two months. Really?
0: Someone in chat is saying less than a month.
1: Wow, that's crazy. It was less than a month. Um, It it was definitely the ban list was announced shortly after the set dropped, and it was in effect like two to three weeks after.
0: You know, and it's funny because like people still complain about it because it was uh it was not a very super expensive deck. It was actually rel if you had like some of those generic
1: staples. Well, but like if you really think about it, that was most likely only because they planned on gutting it immediately. Yeah, exactly. Like there's no way Vakau like, they couldn't <laughs> yeah. they could not make Vakaoshi a secret rare because they knew they were gonna hit that deck. Because yep. if they didn't yeah. plan on hitting the deck, Vakaoshi was gonna be a secret rare, and you was you were gonna pay sixty each or some shit, and then complain just like two months later. So think about this it is that why
0: way. Link One monsters are uh, can be a bit of a problem. You look at a card like Soul Piercer, which was printed. Before Ash Blossom, before Master Rule four heck, it might have been printed before Dante. That's how old Super Heavy Samurai technically is. And then yeah. they just printed Wakashi and a Link One, and here we are today. So, uh, you know, it's 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 a deck that just can get completely out of control with the right with the right support card. And we talk about circular as the meme of uh, the one card <laughs> combos, but you know all it takes really is is one single card sometimes that does just enough and it 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 takes a deck to the moon yeah. um and specifically in Masado, when it comes out it's it's rough so i don't know what the general feedback is from the player base uh, it's, i experience. can't imagine it
1: being positive i haven't heard a single person talk very positive about super heavy samurai like i think yeah. I, I don't even think it's that deck's power level um because i think It's a good deck, but from just a raw like, if you were to just look at the raw stats of like the win rate, I don't think it's that crazy because people are the deck does lose because it doesn't play spells and traps. The only way you really have to stop something like a maxi is you have to draw an ash or you're gonna lose. Like I, I've I haven't experienced the win rate of the deck being like through the roof. It's not like an Ishizu tier level problem in terms of the deck is just too powerful um, because it does have its fair share of just auto loses. so it's not oppressive in terms of its win rate. It just creates a whole lot of a deck can be a big problem even without being too strong in terms of its win rate. It's just a toxic design.
0: Yeah, decks like that never really seem to be like the best decks anyway, because they're very fragile. Um, yeah. and when they are strong, they're like strong, but they're you know, they can be very beatable if you just draw the right card, which is what tanks their uh their win rate so low. Yeah. Uh but I think for the for for most players, the issue with super heavy samurai is that it like you've mentioned, it, it just creates very unfun games for one of the players like there is there is no game where both players enjoy a super heavy samurai duel let alone well, a bear very back, very rarely and it
1: usually has yeah. to like include both people either somewhat bricking or having a bunch of hand traps to stop each other from killing them on the first turn so they, yeah. they just like get in this weird grindy spot where like there's but that's it's very rare the the general design of the deck is just not uh, not that cool
0: so let's talk a little bit about the uh Big major change of the list, which I feel like hasn't done too much yet. But Dragon Rulers, baby, we're back to three <laughs> e now.
1: Dragon, they have changed a lot. They have cost the me game. uh 360 ultra rare CP, which I felt that change. Oh, you tried to I make tried. it? Okay. All right.
0: How I tried here? and
1: I felt I felt that change a lot in my pocket. Um what did
0: you uh, what did you make? What did you do with
1: it? I built so initially I was just gonna make I was just going to try Tomahawk. to make it as viable as possible, which unfortunately, I hate to inform you, is probably just by making a Tomahawk Turbo deck. Yep. Um, And okay. then I thought to myself, isn't it incredibly sad that the only way to use these previously super grindy and powerful cards to just make another turn one combo deck and uh, all I'm doing is I need to draw, now I need to draw like three card combos instead of one Vakaoshi to win the game on turn one. So I kind of skipped that idea and I was like, I don't want to play it like that. Um, but I also don't see a grindy Dragon Ruler approach working in, in the year 2024. So I waited. I was patient for the, for the event that happened yesterday, the Theme Chronicles, where a lot of stuff is banned. So I was like, okay, maybe this is my chance. And I built a Dragon Ruler deck that is awfully similar to what people would play in 2013. You can play it almost the exact same way, which is very funny. Um, and even then, it, 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 it didn't really work that well.
0: You know, the one thing that Dragon Ruler had going for it was that it's extremely easy to make level 8 synchros. And unfortunately, we had a bit of a casualty in the level 8 synchro department with the (laughs) banlet. So it never really seemed to, uh, it didn't even have that as a fallback. I I genuinely
1: don't think that's the problem. And I don't think that was the main selling point of playing Dragon Rulers back in the day. I think that the unfortunate.
0: Well, I, I don't think uh, Magic Dragon was the main selling point of Dragon Ruler back in the day, right? No,
1: no. I mean, like, the ability to make level eight synchros. But I, the, the way Fighter I see Deco it.
0: That was insane. What do you mean?
1: I mean, they were good. They would use them. But the main selling point of Dragon Rulers back in the day was that they had incredible advantage over multiple turns. Because if you look at it from a today's perspective, the unfortunate reality is that usually grind game in decks comes from sort of bonus effects on cards. Like, a still. Usually, cards that are playable these days, they, they do a lot of their stuff. They, they need to front-load a lot of their value. The, the grind game just comes from, hey, this card has a random graveyard effect that lets you shuffle stuff back into the deck and draw cards, or this card has a random bonus effect that makes it add itself back to the end in the end phase. But that's never the main reason to play a card, right? Most of the cards are being played for their immediate impact in a game that is um, a lot faster than back in the day. And that is not something that Dragon Rulers do. Dragon Rulers don't front-load their value. Dragon Rulers do their stuff over time, right? The fact that you, hey, I come back from the graveyard for free if you banish two other Dragons from the graveyard. And then next turn, you can do it again. And then the turn after, you can do it again. And if you banish me for the cost of another Dragon Ruler, I will replace myself. Uh, You can't use any other of my effects this turn, but next turn you can, right? And this is just something that... Uh, if I ever made it to turn three in Master Duel yesterday, I was happy because I would banish like Tidal and Blaster for my Tempest, and I was popping off. Um, if we made it to turn, three. I didn't get there th- that often.
0: I think the uh, biggest uh, takeaway from Dragon Rulers is that they're too fair in 2024, which is insane to say. But it's something printed- that
1: you would not believe if you told me. I would not believe that if you told me that 11 yeah. years ago.
0: Yeah, you know, when I was when I was uh, when I was in my uh, in my in my in my diapers 10 years ago that 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 didn't actually happen and you said that dragon Rose would be would be uh, a a power creeped mid-range decker so i just wouldn't believe you yeah. so the issue with dragon Rose is like if they were printed today unironically they would all those three effects the hand the banish the grave effect uh the special summon effect they would not be once per turn well they would be once you per could turn probably but use not use each yeah per yeah each. yeah
1: you could probably use each
0: yeah like and the thing is, like, I don't even know how good that would be, Even then, yeah, like, no,
1: I'm 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 trying to think, like, if that would break them, I don't I don't think it would. I, I'm I genuinely sure would do don't something, think it would. Like, the problem is like to
0: what end, right? Because like Dragon Rulers have always been a deck that are very good at making level uh eight synchros and rank seven plays. And no. what do you really do with that today? No, the Tom reality off, is right?
1: if you want to make Dragon Ruler work, I I genuinely think you could make a Master Duel Dragon Ruler deck that wouldn't be terrible, but it would genuinely just be uh, a tomahawk combo pile, right? And you would make it this crazy tomahawk combo pile that makes uh, as strong as a turn one board as possible by going through like Aurora Dawn, all that kind of stuff, emptying your entire extra deck. And your the main selling point of that deck would probably be that even if your opponent does have something like a Dark Ruler in their deck, which which like then and then outs your entire board, you have like these thingies in the graveyard that will make sure that you can end the game the next turn, right? That's what it would do. Which doesn't... It doesn't make it a better combo deck than other combo decks that exist out there, but it would make it a combo deck that exists somewhere in the Rogue um, thingy. Because even if you have a way to, I don't know, Imperm Nibiru it, or Dark Ruler it, or Droplet, or Sphere Mode, or whatever, you know, like, they might be out of extra deck resources, but the Dragon Rulers keep coming back from the graveyard. And that way, you can, you can still... Bring home the game, right? Um, that's not the deck I want to play, though. So, like, it, that's why it felt particularly uh, disappointing for me as someone who liked the Dragon Ruler grind game back in the day, right? The back and forth is what I really valued, and I didn't really get that out of my out of my Dragon Ruler stream uh, yesterday. Let me tell you that.
0: Well, on the plus side, you get to play that as a uh, as a as a mirror match now. If you really want to, you can just craft all those cards. It is it is now doable. You can. All yeah you ultra... can play you
1: can play 2013 format right
0: yeah i don't think there's any rulings or uh master rules that have affected it too much you well the sixth
1: you do, would draw do. a sixth card back in the day for the opener oh, but yeah you, can... you would wouldn't you yeah uh,
0: well there you go blind second rules is how you got to do it um... <laughs> you, <that's> funny. <laughs> spell you have spellbooks
1: spell books as well Spellbooks is also yes. at full power from that era i'm pretty sure all of the cards from spellbooks are legal in master duel you can genuinely play both of those the only thing we don't have is vanity's emptiness that's true yeah
0: Okay, so uh, this is the part of the segment where we would probably move on to Patreon questions if we do decide to make a Patreon for this. We'll see how uh, intrigued (laughs) and how well this is going in terms of uh, your interest. Um, So yeah, leave a comment, watch, share with your friends, etc. So I hope you guys have enjoyed this episode. Please let us know how we can improve and make it better. Uh, what guests and topics you want to hear from, and hopefully uh, most more of you keep tuning in week to week. So it's been really fun and it's exciting. But um, rather than doing Patreon questions, I'm going to take some questions from the Twitch chat live here for uh, the next 10 minutes or so. Yeah, uh, Just feel free to drop something. We don't really have a specific topic because today's first inaugural episode, we would start with something a little bit more generic and a little bit more broad. Uh, so feel free to drop anything in the chat here that maybe Josh can have a little scroll through just now and pick something out for us. You want um, me yeah, to pick this, the questions? Yeah, yeah, just pick a couple just now. Um, we're going to uh, have this uh, uploaded as, as we've mentioned at the start. If you're just joining in live, uh, you, you will be able to watch this live um, on my stream or Josh's stream. We're going to be alternating week to week depending yep. on who's available, schedule and that kind of stuff. Um, so make sure you do follow us both on twitch or social medias etc and do subscribe to the heart of the cast youtube channel if you want to get the full visual experience as well all right and the release day
1: day for this is always going to be what did we say sundays
0: saturdays or sundays yeah Yeah. and our recording is probably going to be sometime midweek live on twitch Mm -hmm. around about the afternoon in eu
1: Alright, first, uh, I'm going through this question. Some of these are obviously troll questions because we're doing it live with the Twitch chat, so that is something I have to work my way through. Um, That's
0: why we need a Patreon, to get through the, uh, <laughs> the Patreon questions. There's something a little bit more
1: structured. Alright, I know you briefly talked about how OCG could probably uh, probably couldn't adapt the TCG structure of sets, but what exactly is the barrier for the TCG to adapt that structure?
0: Is this the uh, actual box structure of the of the cards? Well, the,
1: I'm assuming what they're referring to is the uh, having the main thing in the OCG is that all the cards or most of the hollows are available in different rarities. So you can shoot for yes. a low rare that wanted or a high rare wanted, depending on what you want to do. And then the lower one would be more affordable because it's printed as like a super rare, for example, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that would be ideal, right? Because you have the game pieces available to you. And for those who are interested in actually getting... Uh, the cards in a higher rarity just because they want to and because it's fun and yeah. we like uh, shiny cards then that option is available to you as well so that's the, right but that's now, the currently... consumer
1: side right that's like that's what we as the players would want the question is why is Konami not doing it apparently because they think it would perform less like it wouldn't perform as well as they're doing it right now and I think, uh, I think one point that you said earlier um, I think makes a lot of sense to me is just the fact that they have not been doing it like this for like 20 years and i do think in big companies when something has been working out they have very little incentive to change it i think uh, i think it's as simple as as long as they don't see any serious repercussions or like you know loss of income i don't think they are willing to change a system that is working for a system that might not be working because they have 20 years of experience doing the one thing and almost no experience doing the other thing um and it's the not like major the major
0: like... thing for a business is, yeah. is always going to be uh, their profits, their revenue share, and the happiness of their shareholders. Yeah. And so long as Yu-Gi-Oh keeps providing, then they're just not going to change anything dramatically, right? So yeah. realistically, if you are very frustrated, unhappy with it, the best way to voice your concern is you you voice it with your wallet, and that's really the only way to make companies of this size listen and that's fair a lot of people are maybe in that boat but realistically the game keeps growing the game keeps doing well and if it ain't broke if if it ain't broke uh don't fix it right? yeah, i mean like, that's the that's the kind of a...
1: thing right there's there's a lot of people that are willing to pay these prices and i'm 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 in the same boat you know for me it is worth it to to pay these prices to play this game um i can still hope for change but i personally am not in the boat of i'm gonna stop playing it if they don't change this and i think that is the position that a lot of people have and this is why they haven't been doing it i think it's as simple as that and i'm not telling you to boycott Yu-Gi-Oh or anything like that it's something that you need to decide for yourself i like i said i'm not gonna i'm not gonna boycott anything i'm gonna get myself that play set of bonfire because i'm i want to play probably a fire deck in the upcoming format He's and weak. for me personally He's weak. I, I i feel fortunate enough to afford it because it is a luxury to be able to play this game at a competitive level and keep up with it I feel, very, I feel very blessed to be able to do that, um, and I wish more people could, but um, yeah, it, it's up to each individual, I suppose.
0: For me personally, I'm going to be trying out alternatives to uh, Fire Decks. Personally, I'm going to see if I can still make, uh, thank you, Tiara strongest for as long <laughs> as possible. Maybe try out a little bit of Labyrinth as well. Uh, yeah I th- so I think kind of that the, there
1: is that that is a good like ver- word of positivity out there is I don't th- I genuinely don't think um you're going to be forced to play a fire deck if you want to win your locals I think uh of course if you want to win a YCS you're probably going to but the people, that, the people that want to win a YCS are usually invested enough into the game where it's like at that very, very high level, that sort of stuff usually isn't a problem because people will either be willing to spend that money, be able to spend that money, or have the means to borrow the cards. Because if you're very, like, you know, if you have a lot of connection inside the community, usually you'll find someone who got an extra wanted or something like that. Um, I think for people that are just here to enjoy the game, play locals, play regionals, there's going to be plenty of ways to do that without playing a fire deck. And even though you have, you'll have to live with the knowledge that you're not playing the best deck in the entire room. Um, that is not necessarily an issue for everyone, right? Is, is is another thing. And for some, it might even be a fun challenge. I know, I definitely know there's a lot of people who pride themselves on not playing the best deck, right, and trying to make something else work.
0: What are your thoughts on the Duel Links uh, bandless structure? So, for context, for those of you who don't know, the way it works over in Duel Links is. A card that is limited to three uh, you can only play cards that are all limited to three at three so for example uh, if ash blossom is limited to three and maxi is limited to three you can only play um, copies up to that number three so you You can can play play two two ash one maxi
1: you can play three ash no maxi yeah
0: yeah this is something that i wish that they played around with for the three versus three formats um it would have been a very unique type of structure
1: they did and, for Master and Duel. A way to
0: deck build. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. in Master Duel, that is exactly how it works. You have a shared card pool. Yeah. Um, which isn't exactly how Duel Links works, but yeah. the idea that you can have cards that are like really good in the game and they get limited to three is it could be like an interesting I, of idea.
1: I think it's interesting. Uh, I would I would always be interested in like I'm always interested in these kind of alternative ways to to play the game or how they could potentially change it. I think. First of all, it's never going to happen because we have a running system for over twenty years of a, of the other way of doing a ban list, and they're never going to change They'll that. Shoot it,
0: them down immediately, Josh. I get it. Okay.
1: I mean, it's hey, it 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 is what it is. It's not going to happen. They're not going to do that. It's it's a fun thought experiment, but it's it's not more than that. I don't think. But the um the reality is, I think it might get very very complicated with the size of the card pool that we have. I don't know if Duel Links is running into that sort of problem but I know that the Dueling's card pool is significantly smaller, and also the decks that you're trying to build are smaller, because it's like 20 cards instead of 40, so applying this thing to like a card pool of, I don't know how many Yugi card, Yu-Gi-Oh cards there are by now, like 11,000, 12,000 I don't know the exact number, but applying that sort Over of itself. thing, hey we have 100 cards that are all limited to 3 uh, pick 3 out of these possible 300 cards for your deck it's, it sounds hard to really always- do
0: The uh, issue I found with it in Duel Links was like it was it was very kind of complicated isn't the word, but it's just like there's so much to like think about in that sense Mm -hmm. um, and to keep track of. And I think in the TCG, if you were to just do like a hypothetical like Duel Links style ban list, it would be like a really fun experimental tournament um, or a format or something. (laughs) But it's definitely not something that would run. I'm pretty sure like
1: 50% of the people would bring illegal decks to the first tournament, though.
0: Yeah, that's probably the the funny thing, right? Like, how many like decklist errors would you get <laughs> significant <laughs> amounts, right? Like, that's just always what happens. Uh, all right, um, should we do one more question?
1: Sure, you pick.
0: Uh, t- all right, let's. See. I'm just seeing at whatever is jumped out here. Uh, here's an interesting one. Do you think Yu-Gi-Oh problem-solving card text should be improved in order to help new player friendliness? Well, the answer to that very quickly is obviously yes. But mm-hmm. the more complicated question there is how. How do you uh deal with the card text of Yu-Gi-Oh? Because I think personally, at least, I don't know, maybe other people are completely fine with it. Uh, I think Yu-Gi-Oh card text is at a point where there is just so much bloat of information that it's very hard to sort of just quickly glance at a card mm-hmm. and find the information you're looking for. Uh, I like Rush the way Duel, they number the
1: effects in the OCG.
0: Yeah, so the OCG structure has like bullet points. Yeah. And Rushdill recently, they have sort of like activation and then effect, right? And then you have like the sort of um, that that is kind of how you uh, can differentiate quite easily. Because re- currently, like as it stands in TCG, like when you look at a card, it is just a block of text, right? Mm-hmm. And a card that has like three separate relevant effects Like even something like a Dragon Ruler, for example, right? Like you look at that, that's like, that's three unique effects, right? With uh, conditions and restrictions. So that's like four separate unique sentences that you need to know. And it's just like a blob, right? So how do you, how do you organize that?
1: Yeah. I would like to, I would like to have, I haven't thought about it in detail because you just brought it up, but something like maybe identifying certain parts of a card's effect or something like, you know, have a, keyword for this is the cost of of this specifically right this is the cost this is i don't know step one of the effect because like then there's things that are being done simultaneously then there's things that happen one after another surely there's a better way to to make that apparent on the card rather than having to know that then means they don't happen simultaneously but and if you do you know all that kind of stuff right it's like surely there's a better way than having distinct keywords for like no i don't know
0: yeah keywords is a very very uh controversial uh point here um because you know number one it's uh imitating other card games even though like that that's always sort of been the standard for a while now
1: you see hold um, up hold up I- Chat right chat right now. People in the audio won't be able to see the chat, but someone in chat is proving me right at this moment because they said in all caps, before semi-column is a cost. Which is it proves my point because you're wrong. Not everything before the semicolon of a card effect is a cost. <laughs> so <laughs>
0: It's also like that's not the point anyway like yeah sure everything before a semicolon but it's like really that's the clearest form of like differentiating uh, text and effects on a card is really is like we're just going to have like a punk- one single punctuation mark like no you can have clearer things right we no. can have bold text we can have new lines we can have uh, the OCG like numbering system like there's different ways than just like a colon no. uh, like that's just grammar for a normal person right like th- they won't be able to glance at that and really no. understand why that's there. Uh, but yeah, the, um, the the keyword thing, I think, is pretty cool. You know, uh, there was a very, very good Reddit post posted uh, a while back. I don't mm-hmm. think I made a video on it. I really wanted to. But it had, like, an incredible, like, uh, breakdown of, like, a potential suggestive method for changing the card text. And one of the things that really stuck out with me was, like, I think one of the best points is, like, a lot of Yu-Gi-Oh cards have, like, so much... Um, uh introduction you know epilogue forward and then the conclusion right Where it's like a lot mm-hmm. of stuff that you don't really care about right it's like the this card uh, cannot be normal or summoned uh, must be special by first do it right that, that's so much stuff yeah. just on like how the card is even summoned like we haven't even yeah. got to like what the card does yet like yeah. and we're dedicating like two sentences to like how we even summon this card yeah um things like that i think definitely need cleaned up personally i'm a, i'm the fan of like um some keywords, I think, going over the top where there's like literally like what maybe like thirty plus in Magic and Hearthstone right now. That's that's mm-hmm. a bit obscene. Yeah. Um, but yeah, something like uh having battle cry in Hearthstone is like on summon effect. Yeah, something you know, that
1: you can clearly differentiate from the effect, like something you can even make like a way to make it so that the effect of a card looks different from the cost of the card or the summoning requirement or the whatever, right? Like the the way that you can differentiate these to know like okay this card is on the field right now which part of its effect text do i have to look at if i want to know what's relevant for me right like when mm. when it for example if you had an effect in 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 Hearthstone that would only happen when a card leaves the field is like it would be called what was it a death rattle right yep. so if a card has a death rattle if i want to check if it does something right now i can i can just glance at it and be like okay this death rattle thing i can ignore it for now because it doesn't have an impact on me while the card is on the field right So if I'm looking for, for example, uh, one situation that came up to like in my mind right now is it happens very often if I'm playing against a deck that I don't know or cards that I don't know that I am not very certain if they have 10 cards in their graveyard. And I just want to know, does any of those do any of those cards in the graveyard do anything? Right? Do yeah, I exactly. do I have to care about any of the stuff in the graveyard as well or can I just stick to trying to out your board, right? Because sometimes there's like a random negate somewhere in the graveyard or banish this card if something would be destroyed. And there's no quick way for me to figure that out because I have to read every single card from start to finish if I want to know if it does something in the graveyard.
0: Yeah, and imagine like you've never played against that deck before, because you know you can like read some cards. You like, okay, I don't need to read that one. I know that's the searcher. That's like the battle one. Yeah. Um. But if you're like a new player, it's like you have to start from scratch and like read all of them. It's like uh, so much information overload. But yeah, card text I think is a hundred percent something that can be yeah. uh, that can be restructured and worked upon and honestly, could be potentially a
1: podcast topic. I, I'm I also know. just now, I, there's so many things I want to say, but I feel like for one chat question, we're, we're being one guide way too hard right now. <laughs> and... Uh... It's like the this sort of thing you really you really need to sit down and prepare your arguments, I feel like and and this is something we could go on for a lot longer. so that's probably going yeah. on the list like I said, of we
0: can yeah. uh, this could absolutely just be like a, an entire segment in and of yeah. itself. So I uh, hope you guys enjoyed this first little introductory episode from yep. myself and Joshua Schmidt. I hope you uh, had a good little time just. Uh, sitting back, relaxing, or doing what you got to do, and you just have some nice background noise, and that's really what the uh, goal of this is. Because we're big fans of like you know long form content, and having something a little bit more in depth is uh, is always fun to listen into. And hopefully, we'll get something like this going for you weekly. Uh, nope. most important of all any suggestions feedback you may have please do please do leave it in the comment section below uh this will be going live on youtube this weekend you probably also may be listening to us on spotify so make sure you can follow the channel i think that's how that works on that platform
1: <laughs> i have no um, idea how that works do whatever you can do on spotify <laughs> <laughs> uh
0: so yeah we will be filming this live uh once a week uh, we might do a couple uh in like the same week just because yeah, there's a couple to topics we've sure been
1: thinking about there. filming in advance because something about yeah. like discussing like i don't know are floodgates good for the game spoilers no uh but our are, are floodgates good for the game is something we could record like anytime or something like yeah, things like, like this right?
0: that's a that's a podcast that could be released like tomorrow or it can be released like seven months from now it doesn't matter it's always going to be sort of like relevant yeah. discussion uh, also but guest suggestions who, who...
1: anyone you want to see on the podcast we're definitely open to having guests on and all that kind of stuff but uh yeah you know the drill give us the feedback we are very much excited about doing this thing and we hope you guys are going to enjoy it and we're going to see by your um responses on how well it's going to be received and uh yeah
0: our next uh segment for those who are going to be patiently waiting for it we're going to be doing a dedicated master duel podcast uh next week uh for when you are listening to this uh, so tune in for that because it is the two year So We're going to be going over all of the uh, technical aspects of Effect uh, since release. You know, we're going to be talking about the potential of R-10 four nats, what changes they've made, improvements, that kind of stuff. We're going to do a nice little deep dive on the game itself. So tune in for that. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. And from myself and Josh, uh, peace out and have a great day. Bye bye.